Welcome to Help Wanted, recruiting in today's world with Nikki Wallace. Nikki and her guests are here to help you understand the labor force and how to recruit and hire for small businesses and other companies in today's dynamic and ever-changing world. Now, let's get into it. Here's Nikki. Hi, Lisa. Well, hello, Nikki. How are you? I'm good. Sitting in your sunny office. This is gorgeous. I know. Um, I guess I should introduce myself, but um, good afternoon, listeners. This is Nikki Wallace with um, Help Wanted Recruiting in Today's World podcast. So, so excited. A little nervous because this is our first podcast, um, but excited to have you here and appreciate you being willing to host. So absolutely honored to have the privilege. Yeah. Yeah. So just a little backstory on Lisa and I. So I actually just told her and she did not realize that (laughs) I I can't remember when we first met. It's been so long. I know. So we actually met. I think you were one of the first people I cold called, quote unquote, because I know you were working for ABI at the time, but um, like nine years ago and we met at Panera. And you just have like helped me grow my career from day one. So I'm always just so appreciative of you. So, and when I took a a career change, you were honestly one of the first people that I called and I was just like, was so excited to meet you. And and you've been my biggest supporter ever since. Yes, I have. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah. So So, yes, excited to be here. Yeah. So anyway, I appreciate you so much. Um, Excited to do this. So yeah, well, I guess it's my turn uh, to... This is the Nikki show. Oh so gosh. it's all about you, sister. <laughs> yeah, I remember Nikki, this was what, two years ago? A little over two years ago. Yeah. Uh, we sat out on a patio. It was a gorgeous day. And yeah. And you announced just a vision that you had for mm-hmm. creating NMW. Yeah. And so uh, we do go back even before then. And I think when we did meet, uh, you were in recruiting. So talk a little bit about your journey to this point, where you're from and what, what did that journey look like? Yeah. So born and raised in Iowa. So I'm actually from Fort Dodge, um, but I've lived in Des Moines now for 12, 13 years um, and love it. We're not ever probably going to leave Des Moines, but yeah, yeah. So I went to college at ASU, Arizona state, and then came back and went to Iowa uh, before kind of jumping into a a career. Um, I worked briefly for uh, as a claims adjuster and then jumped into the world of recruiting and staffing. So, so tell me about your your journey in staffing. What yeah. type of staffing firm? Yeah, so I actually worked for one of the largest um, national. I think they're actually global uh, staffing companies. Um, so it was a. Uh, small office when I first started. Um, I had my cousin actually worked in the office and, um, you know, they were going around just like going to all these companies and like hiring these people. And um, they were always just doing something fun, really. And I just was always intrigued, but never really, you know, stepped into the world until they had an opening finally one day um, as a scientific recruiter. And and they all looked at me and said, why are you not working here? And I was like, I don't know. So could I? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So as a scientific recruiter. Yeah. So those were scientific roles. Yep. So huh. we, yeah. So I like, didn't know you had a discipline in scientific yeah. recruiting. I know. Yeah. Huh. So that's, yeah, that's where I started. Um, so we recruited, um, lab so companies packs. like Corteva and Kemen. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Really locally. That's some and of the healthcare companies. probably too. Um, yeah, we weren't as big into healthcare at that point. Um, I think now 
uh, now I think they are probably, but yeah, at that point we were just really starting the scientific and it was myself and a recruiting partner. And then we had an account manager um, and that's where it all started. Very cool. And so that evolved into then what type of recruiting did you do for them? Yeah. So they, right. I did that for about a year and a half. And then they actually asked me to move over um, to the industrial or we called it commercial side. So general labor um, really was kind of the main skill set at that point. So it was myself and a recruiter um, and one other person. And and did you specialize in jump to hire or direct hire? Um, mostly contract to hire at okay. that point. So okay. yeah, they Very did cool. do a lot of direct hire at that point. But fast forward, so yeah. you were there how long? Um, so I um was there for nine years. Yeah. Oh, wow. So um nine years before. Yeah. So I saw a lot of growth. Like we were, there was a group of us that was extremely lucky. We kind of jumped in, saw an opportunity and really grew the Des Moines um, market for the company, um, which was, it was fun. It was wild. It was, you know, staffing at that point, a lot of people didn't understand or or know the model, I don't think. So um, obviously staffing has evolved a lot over the years, but um, yeah, so we saw a lot. Okay. And then fast forward to us having coffee (laughs) on the patio a couple of years ago, I know you had had a baby recently And just kind of reevaluating. And what was your vision at that point? Um, Honestly, to be a stay-at-home mom. So (laughs) I, yeah, I didn't know. Um, I just knew I needed a break. Um, I knew I needed something different. I had spent uh, most of my career in the manufacturing. Um, You know, I, the last division that they'd asked me to start skilled trades specifically in the office um, when COVID hit, my book of business took a massive hit you know, as did everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, my main skill set at that point was really maintenance techs. And if people were shutting down the plants, you didn't need maintenance tech. Right. right. So, um, so Olivia came along, um, that in November of that year. Um, and then I went back in, um, it was March, I think the next year took my, my maternity leave. Um, never really intending honestly to leave. Um, I think I went back and wanted to give it a good shot and, at the end of the day, I just, you know, needed to move on. So well, it's amazing. I think how many's many people's priorities changed yes. after COVID. Uh, I would and agree. I think life just became a little bit more intentional Yeah, for a lot of people. Totally would agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I saw that in you and I think there was a little whisper of a need out there yeah. that you thought you could fill and it was the first time that I had heard the acronym RPO. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what ended up, ended up happening is um, my husband was actually, he tells the story. It's actually really funny because uh, he was in Mexico at a wedding um, and I called him and I said, I quit my job. And <laughs> he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, we had been kind of talking about it for a while and, um, and I was just like, you know, I just, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I quit my job today. And when he tells the story, he says, well, you know, that's when I took a tequila shot and <laughs> knew that, you know, it would all figure out because, because we didn't have a plan, you know, I never right. um, intent left intending to do anything. So, um, he also says I inf- infamously retired for two weeks. Um, and then, you know, uh, here became NMW and, and, you know, almost two years later and two companies and eight employees, um, we've really taken off. So, yeah, I um, had a friend approach me and asked me to do some contract recruiting. 
And I said, no, because I, <laughs> I didn't really want to. <laughs> I just thought like I needed a break totally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had, you know, people start reaching out to me and asking um, if Can you help I me with would, this project, yeah, if I would that. help, uh, which I always thought surprised me because I kind of thought I would just fade into the sunset and nobody would ever realize I was, you know, gone. Um, but yeah, so I started contract recruiting and I think, you know, within a couple of months, I was like, I can, I can do this for other people, which is kind of when I reached out to you mm-hmm. and I started mm-hmm. reaching out to a lot of people in the industry and just asked like, what do you outsource? What would you outsource? Right. Um, and I was like, hmm, this might be something. I think I might so, have a thing. So yeah. So then I further researched what I was doing and realized that it was. There's a name RPO. for it. Yeah, it was an RPO. So and um, tell me what the acronym stands for. Yeah. So it's called Recruiting Process Outsourcing. Um, and basically, really what it means is a company takes all or part of their recruiting and outsources it to a service. So um, my sister was actually going through at the time, um, her husband was going to be Uh, retiring within the year from the air force. And she was kind of trying to figure out like, what, like what next for her? What do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah. And I, we just kind of sat there and you guys will eventually meet her on the show. She's (laughs) great. Um, And I was like, you know, maybe this is a thing. Um, And within three months uh, she started working part-time for me um, to kind of see if it was for sure what she wanted to do too. Um, and we took on three more clients. And so kidding. Yeah. So, um, and we really started to be able to, um, do things like meet the, the client really where they needed us to be. So, um, the common theme when I met everybody was recruiting is like, you know, I'm an HR person, for example, and I do benefits, I do payroll, I do all of these things. Oh, and I recruit for the company. So it's like an afterthought, right? So you're doing five essential functions for the company. um, And oh, by the way, we need you to go hire 20 people. Like that's why a lot of companies struggle, I think, with recruiting is right. just literal bandwidth. And so, well, we it's not like anything in. has changed in the employment market. No, I no. mean, you can just go out back and pick employees off a tree, right? I mean, it's that easy. Oh, wait. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> with this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. It changed a lot. It's changed a lot, even in the last couple of years with like COVID and kind of just everything. I think the world in general has changed and, and recruiting especially has. So, right. So yeah, and you can't recruit like you did. No. Yeah. No. And not at again, all. I'm going to use that word. That might be the theme for this podcast, right? But you have to be intentional exactly with your recruiting. Yeah. And I, I know I've kind of been following you through the different clients that you're working with and the different uh, projects that you're working on. Yeah. There aren't two that are alike. No, no. And that's exciting for you, I think, being able to customize a solution based on the need of the employer. Yes. Do you want to talk about some of the clients and the industries that you're working in right now and the difference you've made for them? Yeah. So when we, when I first started recruiting for that uh, friend of mine that took me to wine and sushi and <laughs> made me a deal um, that really, you know, I, I tell her almost weekly, like you, you really saved me in some ways, you know, you gave me an opportunity to open my eyes and look at something a little different, but um so for them specifically, I, you know, in nine months, I was able to um, 
they gave me basically all of their operations and um, they were in a hyper growth mode. So operations, uh, sales and marketing were kind of my three buckets. How many needs did they have at that point? Oh man, I can't even tell you what they had. I ended up hiring like over 140 people for them. And and how long? Like nine months. (laughs) Shut up. Yeah, it was, it was quick. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, it was crazy. But I think the way I always said it was like, it's not like we're not doing anything crazy. We're just like doing the job. So like we're able like by them outsourcing those positions to me, like that was my sole focus, right? Like I wasn't doing other projects. I wasn't doing, you know, their internal recruiters were maybe pulled in like compensation projects and like all of that where like my sole focus was like to get, you know, butts in seats. And so talk about, that's the thing that I've enjoyed learning is the process that you go through with the employer So talk about the onboarding process and how quickly once somebody says, yep, we're in, let's go. So what does that look like? Um, So it kind of depends on our timing. So, uh, or like with other contracts. So the big difference between like an RPO, just to jump ahead a little bit, I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, an RPO and a staffing company um, is that an RPO, we are paid for our time. So I also had a non-compete at the time. So, you know, fast forward, how do you Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was paid for, you know, for the hours that I worked, not necessarily for the placements that I placed, knowing now that I placed a hundred and some people, you know, it saved them a ton of money. But yeah, um, so um, yes, I kind of forgot where I was going. With no, that, but well, and that's a really good chance for us to pause for a moment. We started the conversation about RPOs. Yes. RPOs have been utilized on the coasts. And outside of Iowa for quite a while. Yes. But it's just sort of made its way here. I'm hearing more and more folks that are A, using RPOs and B, starting RPOs in the Midwest. So let's go back to the difference between RPOs and staffing. Yeah. So staffing and and correct a lot of, so as I was doing research, like a lot of the RPOs were on um, like the, the coasts with like the tech companies or like, you know, the Silicon Valley, we need to, we got government funding. So now we need to hire 500 people or whatever. Quickly. Yeah. So like, that's kind of where the RPO um, evolved really. So, but yes, it is kind of slowly moving into uh, the Midwest, I think, but so a true staffing company is going to come in um, and, uh, fill a position for, you know, and then they're going to bill you per hour that that candidate works. So that candidate is on that company's books, um, the, the staffing company's books, I should clarify. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they're on there for a certain amount of time. And then you can decide, do we keep the person? Do we roll them over to become an FTE or, you know, do we term them or, you know, whatever the gotcha. case is. So, and other yeah. terms that can be used are that's temp to hire. Yep. Or Contin- do- yeah, contingent labor contracts. Okay. Um, I think you hear like temps, contractors, kind okay. of all of those. Yeah, gotcha. So where at RPL, you, you receive a dedicated recruiter um, that is recruiting on your behalf. So kind of to go back and answer your question, like what does that look like? So um, we have contracts with each of our clients um, on the RPO side or or the agency side, either way, um, and um, 
really, if we're like between a contract that you catch us and we have an available recruiter, we can jump in pretty quick. Like we had one last fall where we, he actually called me on Friday and and we started with them literally on Tuesday. Um, we got all the contracts signed and, and everything in place. So, um, and then we're able to, um, jump into their applicant tracking system if they have it, or the clients can use ours. We have our own system that we use. Um, every company is just different. Some companies have those recruiting tools. Um, some people don't, some people still use like Excel and all of that. Um, but we really focus on the, um, like, what is your process? What is your candidate experience? Cause that has changed. Oh. Obviously you talk about change. Right. Um, and then how can we drive that for the client? So when we pick up the phone and call candidates, um, and ask them if they'd be interested to apply for this position, we are calling on as, as that company. So really the candidate doesn't know that we are an outsourced service. Um, cause we have access to, you know, they usually will make us like a recruiting at whatever the company is email. So like we have all their branding, um, all of that. So yeah. Well, and it's different, but it's, it's good. It's fun. So I think that um, when we've met in the past, yeah. one of the the terms that I used to use and I, the audience doesn't know, but I was in staffing for a hot minute. That was another, <laughs> how she saw uh, me at restaurant. <laughs> we were there. in the restaurant at, uh, in the restroom at a restaurant here in town. And and I was in the throes of staffing oh, and gosh. I looked at her flat out and said, how in the hell have you done this all these years? Yeah. This is so hard. Yeah. And it's not know, for the what, faint of heart. Yeah, sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. And a term that I used a lot when I was prospecting in that market was employers would post and pray, mm-hmm. you know, 100%. and yeah. The post and pray method of recruiting is by the wayside. That doesn't work anymore. You don't just post it and they will come. Yeah, no. So you have to be, again, I'm going to go back to intentional. And as we were kind of brainstorming what we wanted to talk about today, we talked about that employee experience. Mm -hmm. From the moment they reach out to you with a desire to learn more about the position. Yep all the way through not only hiring, but onboarding and all the things, all the yeah. things. So a lot of times the recruiter just sort of steps in and recruits. Mm-hmm. That is not the NMW way of doing business. No. Yeah. You get in, you ask a ton of questions yep. and you identify where they're broken. Yeah. And that's where you step in. So Talk about some of the changes you have helped your clients make Mm -hmm. in intentionality within that hiring process. Yeah. We're actually working with one right now that um, awesome company um, growing rapidly um, just didn't have the bandwidth. So came to us, they actually thought they wanted a staffing side. And and I, you know, after talking (laughs) to them, I was like, there's no way that you want the staffing side. So it is fun, you know, and we'll get more into our story and, and what we offer. But um, so we are working with them. And for them, it's just they're so busy and in the weeds of things that they um, they think specifically like, oh, well, you know, the candidate will follow up with us after we, you know, we'll offer them on the spot, you know, so they're quick. They get their process but going. Good. But, uh, but that's unusual a lot, too. Right. So. Right. But uh, so we are trying to coach them um, kind of through like. Yes, you would hope that a salesperson is going to call you back and be proactive, but 
the reality of that is there's probably 10 other companies calling those people. Right. Um, and so you do have to be the one, you know, following up them, making sure that they don't have questions or whatever. So we really can help anywhere from, you know, even job posting. So like, how, what, it, what are you, when you post, you know, the position really a lot of ATS systems now will go out to all these free job boards, but it's like, okay, but what, like, what does it look like? <laughs> like, what are you, you know? So, um, is it, is it defined? Is it short? Is it, you know, what is your posting really look like? Cause that's your first impression to that, that candidate. So, um, you know, some, some people just need help really with that right at the beginning. And then we kind of go from there. Um, you know, for one of our clients last year, um, we did almost 12 months with them on, we just recruited like RNs and LPNs. Um, so they have several communities. Um, and that was really like where they needed the most help, obviously with the the healthcare shortage. Oh my days. gosh. I can't even imagine. Yeah. So we literally like, that was what we did is we so how many, oh they came to you gosh. and said, we need, I don't even know. Cause they're just like, yeah, it was so like ever evolving. Uh, but they have, I think they have like 12 communities kind of throughout Iowa. Um, and so every week we would meet with them and say like, Hey, where, where can we step in and help? They would give us a community and we would kind of source and, and do our thing from there. So, um, so yeah, some of the, you know, some people it's the front end, some people it's the whole process. They just don't have, um, you know, anything that we can help with. So I've, everybody on my team has, I mean, more than five, six, seven years of recruiting experience and a lot of them within an agency. So even wow. on the RPO side, we are not sitting there and just posting a position and and praying, <laughs> going and working <laughs> on another client. Um, no, we, I mean, you have a dedicated recruiter on your account that they are actively sourcing, reaching out to candidates, again, on the client's behalf. Um, but I mean, our, our touch points on that side are just as high as, as the agency side, really. Um, and that's the expectation that we have for ourselves. So there are a lot of staffing companies. Yeah. There are a lot of both national and local staffing companies right here in Iowa. Yes, there are. And I'm going to talk about what I see the differences with NMW, but then I want you to expound on how you have sort of built the company Mm -hmm. to be agile enough to fit any of these spaces. Yeah. So the thing that I love about Nikki and always have is she's solutions based. Yes. And very, (laughs) very curious. Yeah. And there's no cookie cutter. No. Every client is different. Every need is different. Every industry Mm -hmm. is different. Yes. And so I think when you first started the company, uh, again, you were using that RPO model because Mm -hmm. you had to, you were legally bound to it, uh, which absolutely makes sense. But now you have expanded beyond that. Mm-hmm. So talk about that evolution. So you went from RPO yep. to now you offer both direct hire and contract. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. So basically what happened is um, the you know, theme in my life is like, it just keeps going, right? So one door <laughs> opens, another one or closes, another one opens, um, you know, you kind of look and see what's out there and, and um, what you can offer. But um, so we started, so uh, Steph actually started with me um, in October of 2021. This um, is Steph. My sister. Okay. Sorry, the one that mm-hmm. was uh, working part-time. So um, I'm trying to decide if, you know, what her next career was going to be. So then I had somebody join me in um, January full-time. So we acquired another client 
I just couldn't do it all on my own, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, at the same time that she started the, actually like the first day I've actually found I was pregnant with Nora. Um, <laughs> so, oops, um, didn't really plan that one, but, um, uh, I actually thought she was going to be terrified when I told her <laughs> day one, like, oh, and by the way, I'm going to be on yeah, a maternity leave. We don't really know what we're doing, but here we go. <laughs> um, so we, um, kind of all last year, just kept chugging on the RPO side. We did start to do some consulting as well um, for different clients that had things just come up that they didn't have the bandwidth for, um, specifically kind of in the talent acquisition space. Um, And then I didn't really know, honestly, what we were going to do. So um, the one client that started this whole thing, she kept coming to me and saying like, hey, will you do XYZ internally? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, You know, tired and very pregnant in August of last year. I was like, maybe that's the easier way, but, uh, that's not really what my, my Your MO motto. is. So, nope. um, so basically I, um, when I had Nora actually three weeks early, um, the morning after I had her, I was in my room typing feverishly, like, you know, trying to get everything off of to my people, um, to try and uh, make sure that they were taken care of. But um, I told my team like, Hey, I, I don't think that's what we want to do for our long term. I mean, we're all working our crazy heads off trying to, you know, make sure our clients are taken care of. Um, we hadn't been doing a lot of BD. Everything was referred to us really at that point. Um, so I was like, we need to either probably decide, are we going to continue the RPO and maybe hire, try and like get some, you know, more clients? Like, what are we going to do there? Are we going to expand. So my non-competes up in, in December, um, like, do we want to do the whole staffing thing? Um, cause I have had clients or had clients knocking at my door from my past life. Begging you yeah, to do staffing. Yeah. And two of them, I mean, we have current client or current candidates at both of them, but, um, so I was like, you know, I think we need to take my maternity leave, <laughs> uh, which, you know, was like four weeks, um, and decide what we want to do. Um, and I met with both of them separately when I got um, back, quote unquote, I met one of them at Starbucks with Nora. Uh, I keep saying <laughs> someday I need to like give Nora this company because she uh-huh. like built she the earned whole it. thing. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, everybody kind of said, let's, let's jump in. Let's do this. So um, that was in October, uh, November 15th. We actually signed a lease on our space um, here in our office that, um, we rent some of it out as a co-working space as well. Um, and then we, January 4th, we jumped in um, and expanded with our staffing services. So the way I kind of explain it is we rebranded our RPO. Um, so we have two companies with uh, three different business units. So we offer uh, the RPO side or Recruit DSM. Recruit um, DSM. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And then we have the staffing side, which is higher DSM. And that is true uh, contract, contract to hire or direct placement. So I have one gal on my team that she just focuses on direct placement um, for kind of higher level stuff generally is what falls in that. Um, And then we are actually doing some more consulting work too, as well on the NMW side still. So um, building internship programs, we just did a presentation yesterday um, to a construction company here in town that we built their our property management, I guess, um, that we built their intern program, their rollout, like in a wow. couple of weeks here. Um, we have another client we're working with a contingent labor program for them, trying to get them squared away. So, well, the cool thing about that is once you build the program for yeah. one client, it's easy to replicate mm-hmm. and you can offer those same services. Yeah to others. So So, yeah, that's that's, really cool. Yeah. So now we, we offer it all. And I was pretty passionate about wanting to still have the RPM 
I think it, in some ways it would have been easy to, cause we do have to have recruiters available for right. those contracts. So, um, you know, it can be tricky sometimes if we have a lot of work on the RPO side, uh, to make sure that everybody doesn't get too overloaded, but, right. um, I like the models and being able mm-hmm. to offer, you know, everybody different options depending on kind of where they're at. So the other thing that I think you've got going for you is in, uh, fairly iffy economy, mm-hmm. you've got to be able to pivot because yeah. if you were tied to one industry yeah. or, you know, if, if there was too much tied to RPO and not yeah. enough to direct hire and and then the consulting, the way you've got it set up, you're ready for any economy. Yeah. So, and if, yeah, for example, manufacturing just completely shuts down, mm-hmm. then you pivot and you concentrate your efforts on healthcare. Yeah. So yeah. I love that about, about your model. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds sustainable. Yeah. How about exactly. that? Yeah. So talk about the industries that you're working in and the different clients that you're working with within those industries. Yeah. So um, most, so my background obviously is manufacturing. So I lived and breathed that for, you know, eight of the nine years that I was at my former, um, company. So uh, a lot of manufacturing, um, I was lucky enough to find some recruiters from not the same company, but, um, that had manufacturing experience as well. So we were able to really jump in with some of those, um, construction. One of the gals with me, her background was all construction. Um, and again, we were able to find a recruiter that had the background as well. So um, we have construction, um, healthcare. Um, healthcare is big everywhere. So oh my gosh, especially with the aging population in Iowa. Yes. And yeah. rural Iowa. Yeah. And then financial services. So okay. yeah, that's kind of so you could say everything non-IT, like we don't really do a lot in, in IT. You will on the show meet one of my friends who's kind of had a similar path uh, since leaving the agency world. He'll dive into all the uh, all the things IT, but um, yeah, that's kind of where we, we are. And I remember when we first started talking, so I worked for a youth shelter here in town and we had an internal recruiter mm-hmm. and I would not say it was effective. I would yeah. not say we did a good job. We were the farthest from intentional than you could ever get. Right. Um, But I remember the fees that we were paying on Facebook ads, Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn ads, on Indeed ads. I think we were probably upwards of five to $10,000 a month. Oh, easy. Just on the ads Mm -hmm. that we were placing. Yeah. And I remember when we first started talking about your process and the work that you do. Yeah. Sometimes your clients can simply stop paying for that internal advertising, mm-hmm. make a move to you. Yeah. And it could be a cash neutral position and they're actually filling roles. Hands down. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. What a concept. I know. And ever since I started doing this, I like, cause you know, in my former company, we just didn't see any of that. So I didn't know what really were, you know, and I wasn't diving in with my clients on that, you know, cause they just didn't realize it, but holy crap. Yeah. Some of the clients, one of the first one, um, a small company that we worked with, they also had a recruiter. So they hired us to really do supplemental recruiting, um, which is normal on their RPO side. Yeah. Um, especially if there's a fluctuation or a change, yeah, they'll hire you to fill that gap. Exactly. Um, and so they were, yeah, they were, I think paying $7,000 and yeah. I was like, 
I mean, that almost covers our monthly fee and we'll, yeah. So that's always the first thing I do when I meet with clients, if they are interested um, or they start talking right away about like their marketing or like what, you know, whatever the case is, um, I always ask them. And the, the scary thing is a lot of times they don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that's the word because yeah. it just, it's this quiet little fee. Yep. And the algorithm or the algorithms, I always say that word wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways to kind of work around some of them to make sure that your dollars are going the right way. So you can still like when we go and partner with clients. So all, everybody on my team has their own LinkedIn recruiter seat um, that we use for all the recruiting um, on the RPO and the agency side. We all have indeed like, so we, so for those of us that aren't as in the weeds as yeah. you are, Talk about what it means to have a LinkedIn recruiting seat. Yes. What can you do with that seat? Yeah. So it's it's pretty nice actually. It's <laughs> and it's evolved a lot. So um really the difference between like a normal normal LinkedIn recruiter and and a recruiter. So it's literally called LinkedIn recruiter, um, is uh, you have the ability to like make projects so that you can source candidates a little bit better. Um, there's different filters. You can go in and make sure that like you're targeting the right person. So is that person open to work? Um, you know, there's all these stats on like if you're, you know, targeting people that are willing to work versus, you know, because there's that thing on LinkedIn that says like open, to, open work. to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is the the chance that they're going to message you back? So basically you pay for a recruiter seat and it has all these extra functionalities, but it's expensive. So right. yeah, I mean, cost prohibitive for a lot of companies. Yeah. We, I mean, the, <laughs> the amount of money that we spend on, on LinkedIn recruiter seats is a little insane, but um, you know, it's also a necessary evil really yeah. for our industry. So Absolutely. yeah. And I want to arm my recruiters with everything that they need to get the job done for our clients. So, so talk about uh, the other thing that I love that you guys do. Yeah. Indeed was a place that we did source a lot of our candidates through mm-hmm. when I was in human services. And what happens if your posting is there for any length of time, yep. it drops in ranking. Yep. Yeah. And there's also a whole marketing finesse yeah. to those postings and yeah. changing those postings with some frequency. Yes. Talk about the types of consultation you can do with mm-hmm. a company around that. Yeah. So let's say you go in and you meet with a prospect that has a recruiter and they're spending a ton of money on Indeed ads. Yep. You go in, you analyze it and you say, oh my gosh, your position is number 112. Um, How do you even start with them? Because part of it too, you have to be a chameleon for your client. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing recruiting for them, you have to recruit according to their culture. Yeah. Yeah. How do you even start that process? And and how does that get conveyed then to your recruiters? Yeah, the recruiters are involved from day one. A lot of them know way more than me now at this point. Wow. Systems. I mean, we just that we live in them, right? So um, it was funny. So a client that we took on um, at the end of last year, one of the first things we did in, in a meeting with him is we pulled up his Indeed account. <laughs> and 
Um, Let me tell you why you suck. Is that how you started that conversation? Yeah. Well, it was more so just like, they're like, we're paying all these fees and all this stuff. And so we just literally pulled it up and we said, Hey, like, let's just look at it. Um, And he didn't even realize that there was this insights tab that you can look at and go look at like how you're positioned basically. So um, it honestly is on the RPO side, one of the first places I start with clients because there are, there's just so much money going out to a lot of these and you don't really know how they're at the end of the day, like getting allocated. Is there any ROI whatsoever? Yeah. Yeah. So, and some people, I mean, so one client specific, I mean, he was paying like up to $15 per click, I think, because of like how he had it set up. So we can get it. One show will be actually around. I'm going to bring my sister, Stephanie, who is one of our lead RPO recruiters in here. She's become a, she's kind of like a data data guru anyway, but she like loves to dive in and and really like check out um, all those systems and how, you know, how are they actually performing? But um, yeah, it's insane how much you can get sucked into all of that. And then it doesn't I mean, really, if you're not following up with the candidates or, you know, you go back to the the time of an HR person, like if you're not following up within, you know, four, we have kind of a four hour rule on our team. Um, so, okay. So let's explain that a little bit further. Yeah. So you are contacted by a candidate that raises their hand and says, I'm interested. Yep. You follow up within four hours with that candidate with the next step. Yeah. Minimum. At a yeah. minimum. Yeah. I mean, if it's during business hours, we try to do it, you know, even sooner than that. But wow. yeah. So, I mean, really that's in today's market. That's do you know what the average is? Average for like all employers, how quickly they respond. Oh, I don't have like a number. But I wonder, it's gotta be horrible. Yeah. I mean, just based on my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they just good. get, yeah. So, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into all of that. And we can definitely, I mean, again, like I said, on the RPO side, we always start there. Like, what do you currently have? Um, I don't ever say don't sponsor jobs or do any of that, but let's be more strategic about it. Um, and then my team comes in and really helps make sure that those are out there. They're getting refreshed. They're, you know, they have the how right words often, and all those things. How so, often do you recommend refreshing those? Well, I mean, you should. Really, if you're spending money in there, you should be in your Indeed account probably every day. Um, wow. I would think, or I would, yeah. Just because you don't know, like, you know, every, they're always evolving, really. So it's okay. like, okay, if I have my allocated dollars here, you know, if, but if it's not getting the right person, you know, going in and, and tweaking things as you go. So it's interesting. So we've talked about whole another, hold that whole another beast. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've talked about how you identify the the opportunities within your prospects, mm-hmm. um, sort of how you evaluate their needs. Yeah. We talked about how quickly they need to follow up with the candidate. Yeah. Another critical issue that we talked about earlier was onboarding. Yeah. What are some of the common mistakes that companies make in again, not being intentional in their onboarding process? Yeah, that's a good question. Communication, I think, um, uh, over communication. I think one common thing, I mean, we even do it, right? That you're you're here every day. We're living in the NMW world. So, you know, when we have a recruiter start, even we have to think about it sometimes because it's like, you're, when you're so close to it, you don't always know like how you're conveying it to the, to the candidate. So I think, um, yeah, probably just communication overall. So like people want to know what are the next steps? Like, 
Um, has my background come back? Has, you know, do I need to go do a drug? You know, it's like just some little things like this is a whole new life event for this person. Um, and just making sure that they, they feel comfortable and that they know that they're what the guided. Next yeah. Steps yeah. are. Yeah. Do you have any best practices in helping the employee assimilate into the culture? Do you make recommendations on welcoming and, you know, team building, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When we are on the RPO side, for sure, that is, um, a big portion of, cause, cause otherwise you'll lose candidates. So if you're not communicating with them or you're not following up with them, letting them know, um, you know, as a busy recruiter, sometimes it's annoying if somebody reaches out all the time and is like, Oh, how's my background check? And it's like, at the end of the, the day they're I mean, they're changing their whole life and income and they probably have families to take care of and all those things. So I think it's just being sensitive to that. But um, I do think we come into clients sometimes and help them like break that down a little bit because uh, they're just trying to get the next person to come in and help them. Right. So they're doing 12 different things. And I think having us really focus on that experience and make sure that they are taken care of um, and have the right, you know, you can even like make templates in, in your systems. A lot of these uh, recruiting tools have different templates you can do um, that you can change and tweak and whatever. So it's like, you don't even have to spend a lot of time on it once you get it automated, um, if you have the right tools. But um, yeah, I think it's just such an important, the candidate experience, especially kind of in that, from that offer to start, I think can be really, really something to focus on. So talk about your direct hire segment of your business. I know you're still pretty new at that piece of it. Yeah. Do you provide a guarantee what does that guarantee look like? That seems terrifying to me Yeah, because they're all humans yeah. and you are so dependent on that employee yeah. actually following through and being who they say they are. Yeah. How do you manage that? Yeah. I mean, we are in the people industry and you can't, oh. you can't. that's a whole nother show. Um, I have some girlfriends that are going to come on at one point and we're going to tell the, the, you know, the staffing tales uh, oh. from all time. So uh, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, with direct placements, uh, given the market, we generally don't have like a specific, you know, we'll re- replace like a candidate or whatever if they fit. And, you know, I, it's not so much in, in my mind about the money with that. It's more so no two people are alike. Right. So if I place you at a client, you have a badass skill set in sales and you know all the things. There's not Miller Lisa. And right. so like, right. why, why am I going to promise a client? And I think that comes into, you know, me, my favorite part of my prior career was partnering and really becoming a part of my client's process and knowing their, um, you know, what they needed and what they didn't need it. And I just, I'm not going to Nikki selling a direct placement and telling you, I'm going to give you your feedback or give you another person. If that one falls through, it's just it doesn't me, make- it's setting everybody up for failure. I so, agree. There's different things we can do, um, depending on kind of where the client is and cash flow and all of that stuff with them. Um, you know, we try to kind of seek to understand if there's ways we can break up payments or whatever. Um, But yeah, the guarantee thing just isn't. Well, I think so much hinges in my experience Mm -hmm. on honesty. Mm -hmm. Honesty from the employer about expectations. Honesty from the employee about skills and abilities and desires. Mm -hmm. 
And so is there a way that you can get people to be more honest and have those crucial conversations up front? Yeah. Rather than a year or two years after they've taken the position and it's all fallen apart. Yeah. I mean, I, so one thing I always tell my team, this is kind of a weird way to segue into this is like, I don't care if we're the biggest, but I want to be the best. And to me, what that means is like taking care of your people. So listen to them, like when they call you and, and tell you what they want to do or what their situation is. Um, We had a gal uh, that came in the other day and we've been trying to help her find something um, and you know, by the end of the conversation, I was like, you know, you kind of you need to figure out X, Y, Z, because I'm hearing ABC, but you're telling us DEF, you know, so it's like, <laughs> sometimes you just have to like build that relationship with those candidates. Well, oftentimes, um, really every time you should build that relationship, not only with your clients, but with your candidates and make sure that you understand what they need, what they want. Um, because if you're, if you don't know, or you're just guessing, I mean, it just doesn't end well for anybody. So So this is such an employee's market. Mm -hmm. I just had lunch with a friend of mine whose board I sit on. Yeah. And she's got a controller position open. Yeah. She's had not very many. They do Medicaid finance, which is super hard to, to, to staff. But she was telling me the story that she's had, you know, two candidates that have you made initial inquiries mm-hmm. and they want to know how much vacation time they can have right out of the shoot. You know, can I work 30 hours a week? And we are so desperate these days yeah. as employers yeah. to fill these necessary positions. Yeah. What is that balance? And of course, then you add on top of that, and I know you do work with nonprofit. Mm-hmm. But you add to that, nonprofits don't have a treasure trove of money to just yeah. pull out, you know, recruiting bonuses and all kinds of things. They just can't do it. Yeah. So how do you, as an employer, hit the pause button? Yeah. And again, be more intentional about what you'll, you're willing to give to get these employees. Yeah. It's a good question. It's kind of like, yeah, I, yeah, I am interested in the next like year or so to see like the market kind of shift and because really? it has been such Is like there a hope market. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody hopes so. I mean, at some point, you know, it just, you have, you know, candidates that don't have any experience asking for $15 more an hour right now. And it's just, yeah, it is. Crazy. It has to stop. Yeah. I think, I think there is a lot though. Um, that you can, you know, quote unquote, give to an employer to be fun, to be flexible, to be all the things without, you know, saying here's four weeks of vacation or here's whatever. So I think it is just kind of understanding like what your culture is and what you want and like what you need and where you need your candidate or, you know, your, your people and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out like what some of that other stuff is. Cause I do think we go, we are quick to say, oh, well, everybody can be remote because that's what everybody wants to do. And it's like, not really. Not in a manufacturing facility. Yeah. Somebody's got to make the widget. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, you know, what are different things that you can do or can offer um, that don't have to be kind of some of those buzzwords that we're hearing now. I was talking to somebody this morning when I went to coffee and they were on all the meetings. My gosh, it's been a day. I know. And they were talking about the, the business record did, um, 
a recruiting panel. Yes. Yesterday. Yeah. Did, were you? Kelsey was, but I wasn't on it. I wasn't. So able they sent a recording though. I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Yeah. But, and, and so my thing, so I don't have to watch it because I don't have unlimited time <laughs> um, is what were your biggest ahas from that meeting? And so as we kind of went around the table, there were four of us sitting there and, and three of them had watched it and they were all things that allowed more flexibility mm-hmm. in the workforce, but also they didn't impact people that have to have people on yep. premise during finite periods. Right. It, it's hard for some employers that need that. Right. Yeah. I can't even imagine being in that situation where, no, my people can't work remote. Mm-hmm. And so they're competing with all of these companies that can. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's, uh, it is like very specific to that person or that company. Right. So, I mean, for us, we just opened, we actually just went through a shift because, you know, kind of given some of my background, I wanted, you know, I, I do have a lot of passion around making sure that we are an inclusive workplace. So we, we are remembering to have fun and all that stuff, but you do have to make a profit too. Yeah. You have to to produce. Yeah. Um, And so we uh, came into our office or like uh, built our office kind of knowing we wanted to, you know, create the culture and and have places for candidates to come. And we host a lot of events here and and all the things. Um, So we actually just shifted ours um, like that. We were getting out early on Friday and it's like, Hey, right now we, we, we need to yeah be here kind of boots on the ground make sure that we are are grinding to, to get going um but the flip side of it is hey hit your goals and do all the things and leave at 10 i don't give a shit and like right. you know it's like if you want to kind of create your own destiny in that way um so i think for the, for us that's where we can get flexible right um so but i do think it is just like so specific to look at, you know what what is flexible or where can you be flexible um to you know, and then market it, make sure candidates know that that's the real thing. And then they can do those things um, where there's proven results there. So, so we've got about 10 minutes left and I'd like to end with some stories that you can share about the biggest impact you've made with your clients. And some of the things we've talked about Mm -hmm. is wooing the candidate. Yeah. And, um, you know, making yourself noticeable online. What are some of the, and and maybe there are some easy things that folks can do to make them stand out. Um, Maybe there are some just completely unique things. Can you think of some stories that you could tell? Yeah. Um, I use your systems. Um, I am, we're going to have a, a guest on each, like some of these shows that, uh, one of them in particular is, uh, jazz HR, our, um, ATS system that we utilize. Okay. For those of us that don't know what oh, ATS sorry. is. I know, I know. I always say that. <laughs> um, uh, applicant tracking system. Now I was, I almost forgot what the word was. Um, <laughs> But I think that they are so um, evolved now and there's so many cool things that you can really do to automate different processes and stuff. And again, going back to candidate experience, um, I think first off, like look at where you're, if you're in an Excel sheet still with candidates, like spend a hundred dollars, you can find like Jazz HR has been awesome. We've used it from the beginning. Um, It's it's evolved. How many employees do you need to hire a year to justify a system and not using Excel spreadsheets. Oh, 
in my opinion, not many, because okay. where I go with it too, and this is what I tell my clients all the time is uh, legacy, right? So if you're you're not starting a business thinking you're going to be here for a year, you're planning to be here for years to come. If you're using an Excel spreadsheet and Joe leaves the company and he's the one that was managing that spreadsheet, that spreadsheet goes away. So now you don't know who you've hired, who you've talked to, who knows, you know, so in my opinion, you can get some pretty inexpensive ATS systems that are very basic. Regardless of how many people you're Yeah. Hiring. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's worth a hundred, you know, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a month. Um, it's probably one of the smallest expenses that you'll have um, as a company. And I think it, it does just pay back. So awesome. Yeah. Any other things that they can do just Again, let's go back to woo the, the candidate. Yeah. What are some of your clients doing to woo their candidate in ways that are unique and different? Yeah, I think um, from the beginning, uh, another person that we'll have on on the show kind of in a couple of weeks is um, using video for, you know, instead of having a long job description, like cool. video, yeah, put a video on your website or on, you know, your job links um, that kind of shows the candidate what they might be doing in a 30 second or 15 second even clip. Um, but I think looking at kind of where we are as an economy and, the, you know, ev- everything really is going to technology. So it's like, if you can easily click on something, watch a video for 10, 15, 20 seconds, you know, you might, you'll, you'll a, probably have a really great understanding of what the job is. Um, and it's just kind of like a fun way to, to well, look at it. Well, don't they say that YouTube is one of the highest used yeah. social media channels anyway? Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. And then, video. Yeah. And then I think even like on the, the back end of it, it's just, um, you know, send them some swag. Like maybe, you know, go buy a $10 printed t-shirt and send it to them before they start, um, you know, get them pumped up about their first day. So it's just, you know, Throughout the whole process, there's always things that you can do. But I remember when I started, this could be a little tidbit, at Saxton, uh, I walked in my first day and she had two great leadership books. I think one was a Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. And another one might have been Traction by Gina Wickman. Oh, yeah. And those were on my desk with a coffee mug yeah. and just some snacks. And I thought, wow, that simple. just super simple. Yeah. But it said, wow, we were a, we knew you were coming today. Yeah. Unlike another job where I walked in and they hadn't even cleaned my office. <laughs> oh, no. Right. I mean, so even... I'm emptying yeah. like file cabinets. Yeah, that's bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, even for us on the agency side, we have t-shirts. So hire DSM t-shirts. We give all of our contractors right now. Um, I mean, for us Very too, cool. it's, it's branding. They're going to wear them in the shops or wherever they are. Um, but it's also just kind of a fun little thank you, you know, thanks awesome. for taking a shot on us just as yeah. much as we are on you. So That's yeah. Very cool. yeah, it doesn't take much. Does no, it? it doesn't. I mean that, you know, it's $12 a shirt, but that's all right. So, so we've got just a few minutes left. Just tell us a little bit about your perfect client. Yeah. So what kind of needs are you looking for? And what kind of company are you? You know, what should they expect when they come in and work with you? Yeah, we're super involved. So I think if you're looking for, um, you know, and I wouldn't even say, I kind of was chuckling to myself when you said, what's the perfect client or what are you looking for? Because really it's not skill set. I believe in my recruiters and we have the tools and the experience to be able to really, I think, do any skill set. But for me, I'm more interested in working with clients 
um, that really want to partner with us and make their process better. Um, we've had we have had to fire a couple of clients along the way because um, you know they didn't they saw us almost as competition or they saw it you know and it's like that's just not what it because is. you're going to question everything. Yeah, I'm a huge Jim Collins yeah. fan, and he said it's the job of the leader yes. to turn over every rock look at that icky squiggly mess on the yep. backside and do something about it. And yep. that's what you do yep. from soup to nuts in that recruiting process. For sure. So they have to want to change. Yeah. Yeah. And on the agency side, I mean, I think in a lot of ways that I would say not so much the change piece, because I think we're there for, you know, more to get the seat, you know, people in seats versus, you know, maybe a whole process. Um, but I think, uh, again, they have to want to partner like because we we want to know your culture we want to tour your shop we want to be on site and get to know you um it's not that we want to you know monopolize your time or get another meeting it's like you know i want i want my team to be able to sell your culture i want my team to be able to um you know be able to really explain that position so it's truly a partnership truly yeah and and i yeah and i will remain very passionate about that um i'd rather take a client that's willing to partner and make sure that we have the tools that we need to succeed um, as part of what we're going to talk about in this podcast and how are you partnering? Because I think there's a big gap there. And I think that's where a lot of staffing companies um, get a bad rap, you know, because there's not a partnership there. Um, and I believe in that partnership. So well, especially when you're working with humans. Mm-hmm. Can't it, control people. No. I can tell so... you some crazy stories. <laughs> I will eventually. I can't wait for that yeah, podcast. Yeah. That one yeah. will be fun. Well, we will be a lot of wine there. Can you believe so. this? I know. We didn't even stop. I know. Yeah. So, well, this has been super fun. Yeah. I'm so grateful for you. Uh, me too. And I'm so yeah. proud of you. Oh, God. And Thanks. can't wait to see where this goes. Again, yeah. I'm Lisa Fox. I am running an initiative called Make DSM here yeah. in Des Moines. Love it. Uh, just helping to aggregate and curate information for manufacturers. So yeah. we will be working closely together because yes. recruiting so is one that. of the challenges. And so you can find me if you would like under fusedsm.org. Yeah. And there is a section of the website for make DSM. So Perfect. and we'll make sure your, your info is on the podcast notes so that everybody can find you too. So awesome. But you're coming back. Yay. I can't I wait. I know. Yay. I'm excited for your podcast. So yeah, this will so, be fun. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you and thank every listener. Um, I'm excited for this journey and to be able to share. Um, we have some fun stuff to share and the good people, uh, a lot of fun, fun things I think will come on the show. So um, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central, um, we will have a show for the next 13 weeks. Um, and that's a year, by the way. It. I know. How about that? So, oh, that's 52. That's quarter of a year. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. have so, fun. Anyway, everybody have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Help Wanted, recruiting in today's world. We hope we have helped you reach a higher level of understanding for today's workforce and the dynamics behind them. Until we talk again, have an outstanding week. 